0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes.
1: Our next guest is uh, UCSF's Dr. Anisha Patel, Um, and I could speak volumes about her credentials as a Chief resident at Stanford and uh, pediatrician, uh, an active pediatrician at UCSF, and uh, Robert Wood Johnson uh, Clinical Scholar, and all of that. But instead, I'd want to speak to her incredible dedication and novel perspective on sugary be- beverage reduction. Uh, it's uh, the flip side of reducing sugary beverages is dealing with water and the situation in Flint I think riveted everyone to the, uh, the horrific inequities in access to safe water in this country. And that is at the heart of Anisha's work. Uh, my colleague Janet Wojcicki uh, commented uh, recently that whenever you walk into a Silicon Valley tech firm you see it looks like a spa, right? There's a thing of water and it has limes and, and then there's one with strawberries and cucumbers, right? Well, that isn't exactly the venue, the kinds of venue that, venues that Anisha works in. She works in low-income schools uh, that where kids are on the school lunch program and there isn't a, 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 a drinking fountain to be had. And with that, I, I introduce Anisha.
2: So Laura, thanks so much for that um, really wonderful introduction, and I also have the pleasure and privilege of working with Pat and Marine on a day-to-day basis on a number of projects. And um, I've learned from them, and um, Ken Hecht, who was at the California Food Policy Advocates previously and now um, at Nutrition Policy Institute, about the methods that they've used. We employ those same methods in our study. So I'm going to give you a case study, you'll hear about it later, but um, I'm definitely going to talk to you about water, which is the flip side of sugary drinks, and not as controversial as um, sugar. So um, so I've got to start with sugar-sweetened beverages. Um, how many of these beverages look familiar to you? Um, we've already heard about the perils of consuming excess amounts of sugar um, in terms of obesity and diabetes. But I do want to also point out as a pediatrician, one of the biggest health pro- problems we see in our clinics is actually dental caries or cavities. And a lot of young children actually have to go under general anesthesia to have them fixed or repaired. And so um, thinking about oral health is also important. So, you know, you got Capri Suns and the drinkable yogurts among the toddlers and the school age children. And then you start to see the Frappuccinos and the adolescent population as well. And then we also have to pay attention to more culturally specific beverages such as horchatas or aguas frescas or some of the teas that are also common. Um, So as um, Laura mentioned, we are seeing definitely um, declines in sugary drink consumption, but we're also seeing widening of the gap among the haves and the have-nots, and this slide um, demonstrates some of that um, data as well. This is California data from 2009, and you can see that the percentage of children who reported drinking sugary drinks on any given day, much higher for Latino and African-American children than for white and Asian children. Juice intake is a little more controversial. Um, It is a source of added calories, but it does lack the fiber, as some of our speakers also um, suggested. And for that reason, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends only one serving of juice per day. And here you can see the percentage of children who are exceeding those recommendations. And again, the picture is the same. Latino and African-American children are much more likely to drink and exceed these recommendations than their peers. So we're getting to water now. Um, So water is um, extremely important because it can reduce um, daily intake of sugar and calories. So based on national data from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, if children were to swap out those sugary drinks for water, they could reduce their consumption of sugar by 10 teaspoons per day. Um, And to frame that for you, the daily recommendation for children of that age is six teaspoons per day. So we would definitely be getting towards our um, limits there. Um, In addition, they could also decrease their consumption of um, calories by 235 calories per day, which could make a huge um, difference in terms of obesity. So then the question is, what type of water are we gonna drink? Are we gonna drink tap water? Are we gonna drink bottled water? And um, I think we've come around to, to know that Um, We want people just drinking water in general Um, and we realize that there are areas like Flint where water may be unsafe to drink so we don't want to make a judgment but in places like San Francisco where the tap water is so great and has been tested regularly tap water does confer benefits Um, for one it's fluoridated so it can strengthen teeth and also prevent cavities Um, it also is lower cost so for our low-income populations that are drinking tons of bottled water, they're spending substantial amounts of their income on that. Um, The last thing I'd like to mention is the environmental footprint of bottled water. So there's not only the energy that's needed to produce the bottles, transport it, but also the recycling of those bottles um, and bottles from soda as well. So here again, um, I'm showing you some racial ethnic disparities in tap water intake. So You can see that Mexican-American, other Hispanic, and black children are less likely to drink tap water um, than their white um, peers and peers of other racial ethnic backgrounds as well. So as Laura mentioned, um, there are reasons why we're seeing these disparities in tap water intake. Um, Flint really brought, shown a light on this problem, which is actually happening throughout the country. Every day when I open up New York Times or the Washington Post, we see new data um, showing um, schools that are testing their water and finding lead or other places um, as well. UCSF is actually testing their water as well, so be on the lookout for those results. Um, but we are seeing this, and this is only heightening concerns about tap water safety and quality among our populations. So what about places like San Francisco where the water is totally safe? Um, why are people not drinking tap water here? So one is that people may be coming from countries where the water was unsafe, and they're bringing those perceptions here to this community. And without the education that you guys were all talking about, you're not going to see changes in consumption patterns. Another factor is though um, bottled water, um, You know, the claim is always made that it's safer, but tap water is actually more rigorously tested and complies with federal guidelines. But that information is not really communicated in a way that people can understand. Studies show that water quality reports, for example, are at much higher literacy levels than for the general population. This is a fountain. um, And how many of you have seen a fountain like this? Out at a park or in a school? So um, water in tap water sources may not be kept up. They might not be as appealing as one would like to consume that. Um, sometimes water may come out of your sink or your faucet may be discolored that doesn't necessarily signify that it's unsafe to drink but you could see how that could actually um, color your perception of tap water taste is also a factor so um, we are really lucky to have great tasting tap water but how many of you have visited other places where the taste wasn't quite as great so that can also be a reason why people might choose bottled water And then convenience. Um, How hard is it to find bottled water versus fountains? Um, Just think about that next time you're looking around. Every time I bring my water bottle everywhere, I have the hardest time trying to find places to fill it up. And I don't know if that's the case for many of you in the room. So I'd like to point out the water quality report for San Francisco. So I'd like to actually put a plug in for San Francisco. They've done a great job of translating that, this and making this available in multiple languages. But this is pretty common. It's really complex and very hard for populations to understand, especially if they have limited education. So now that i 've framed why water is important i 'm going to tell you some stories from schools so i 've already I think Pat and Lorraine really signified like why schools are such an important place to intervene, so um, children spend so much time there they 're also drinking um, tons of sugary beverages, although that 's decreasing within the school setting um, so the way I got started working on this actually was after I finished up my medical training, I went down to um, UCLA to start some research fellowship, and we were out in schools trying to understand what would be good to include an obesity prevention program. So we were observing the lunch, um, observing physical activity, and then talking to the students. And one of the students came up to us and said, "Oh, you know, it would be really cool if you guys provided some water with our lunch. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so I didn't know about about the meal programs at that time. Um, But we did see there was chocolate milk, there was juice, and plain milk, but there was really no water available. And so we took a visit around the school and tried to map the water fountains. And none were really actually in close proximity to the cafeteria. And there definitely were no cups available. So kids could only get a few sips if they wanted anyway. The other alternative, 965, the um, policy that Pat was talking about had just passed then. um, So there were vending machines that had bottled water juices and sports drinks. But who would want to choose bottled water when their um, other option is a sports drink? So then we went on to say, okay. We are hearing from these students that they're not drinking water, that there's no water available. What's happening with these drinking fountains? Are they actually using them? So we went and observed 24 schools, um, tallied the number of students who were actually drinking from the fountains. And what we found that it was quite low. So in elementary schools, 11% of the students um, were drinking from the fountains at lunch. And in high schools, that was only um, about 1%. Students also have negative perceptions about drinking fountains when we ask them. Um, we surveyed 3,000 middle school students in the Los Angeles region. And these were all low-income students. And you can see here that many thought that the water didn't taste good, that it was dirty, um, that it could make them sick or it had actual contaminants in it. So. Thanks to this research and actually the advocacy partnership with California Food Policy Advocates, we now have legislation that passed um, that requires water to be available in the school cafeterias here in California and also nationally. However, implementation of this law does vary by school so on the left is a picture from a school that we actually visited you could see that's not the most inviting water source has a mop and a broom um, some debris in the fountain and then on the right is a really great school that's really taken the law and ran with it and they installed this great shiny water bottle filling station with signage and cups so that students can get a drink So this um, made us also think about like, what can we do to help with implementation of this law? So we um, tested out an intervention in 12 middle schools in the Bay Area where we installed bottleless coolers, um, or we worked with the food service staff to serve cold water in these dispensers. We also provided cups and had some simple signage. And then the control group um, just had the regular drinking fountains with no promotion. And what we found was that in the schools that received those water access interventions, we saw great improvements in the percentage of students drinking water, 10% higher in the cooler schools, and 18% in the dispenser schools. And this is only costing $0.04 cents, um, per child. So, this is another um, study from Boston where they actually put just signage and cups, and they also found six similar effects with um, decreases in sugar sweetened beverages of 3%, and also um, water, um, the students drinking water went up by 10%. New York City um, conducted a similar study where they put um, water jets in the cafeterias and provided cups, and in that study, they actually found that the schools that had those interventions saw a decrease in students' overweight status. So now, really quickly, I'm gonna shift over, tell you about a couple case studies from the community setting. One is Agua for All. Agua for all is a program that's funded from the California endowment. Um, the goal of this program is to increase access to an intake of safe drinking water, specifically for communities in California that suffer with water contaminants. So um, there are areas of California with arsenic in the drinking water. For example, they install these water bottle filling stations. They also um, remediate the water by filtering it for arsenic. And then they put up simple signage that shows the community that the water is safe, both in Spanish and English, and then also distribute water bottles. So we worked um, with them to evaluate the program, but we also had a set of communities that participated in Agua for All Plus, which was the traditional Agua for All interventions, but we also provided the sites with um, a a little um, toolkit that compiles all the evidence-based strategies for water promotion and gave them stipends and technical assistance. And you can see this is a picture from one of the sites. They put up signage and had a cup dispenser. So in this slide, you can see the change in residents drinking water as a result of these interventions. So on the left is the Agua for All Plus. Um, The percentage of residents who drink water over time went up by 21% in those sites um, versus the general Agua for All um, program where it went up by 5 to 7%. San Francisco has a similar program. Um, They're working to actually install reusable water bottle filling stations in parks and public spaces in low-income communities. And we're also working to develop multicultural promotion of intake of tap water along with the CTSI of San Francisco Public Utilities Commission and DPH. So in conclusion, um, I've demonstrated that there are definitely racial ethnic disparities in beverage intake um, both in the state and nationally. Um, I hope I've shown you how providing equitable access to safe and appealing water may help to improve beverage intake and also reduce some chronic diseases such as obesity. Um, And I think as we move forward, thinking about these anti-SSB policies, such as the soda taxes that are on the ballot, it's also important to consider water and making sure that it's also a complete package. Thank you. Thanks so
1: much. Uh, Questions or comments? Dr. Schiller? Thank you.
2: Thank you, Anisha. Um, Great, great work. Um, The data from New York was very compelling in particular. I'd like to know if you could just summarize for the audience what the state regulatory and legislative context is around. Allowing Wait. sugar sweetened beverages on school campuses. Because obviously, what we want to see is water go up in sugar sweetened beverages. And then, what that portfolio looks like nationally, obviously, you can't go state by yeah. state, but kind of the variation. By, by state. state yeah um, I don't know Pat if you want to join me but smart snacks for schools um, actually is being implemented and that further reduces um, the beverages sugar sweetened beverages that are available to students in schools I believe the only place where you can have a sugar sweetened beverage is actually in high school is that right and it's a very limited caloric amount um, so that is really positive Um, I do agree with some of the comments that were brought up about parents um, bringing in sugary drinks because we have seen in our studies where we're trying to promote water for example a kid brought a RC Cola into the cafeteria and started using our cups to distribute the RC Cola to their friends so we do need to kind of work on the whole parent education and the policies around what people can bring in because without that I think we're not going to make a ton of progress I hope that answered your question generally speaking um, water access is only um, the major focus has been on the food service area I think we still need policies to actually make sure that water is available in other parts you might start to see legislation around water testing in schools there are some states like New York for example that passed um, requirements that all the schools need to have lead testing because lead um, can actually enter the water after it's safe at the municipal um, supplier it can enter through older pipes so that is one contaminant that could be a potential concern in schools
0: you brought up the issue of um, cavities and, and the importance of promoting water as opposed to sugary drinks. Um, one of the things that I learned in um, some work with the Chinese community here in San Francisco is that folks were drinking, using tap water, but they were boiling it. They are boiling it. So the lay health workers that I was working with doing SSB education were still boiling their water, which removes the fluoride. And um, at least that's what I've been told. You're looking like maybe I'm that's not sure true. I don't know. It
2: removes the fluoride. That might concentrate it further. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's what they that's what they told us. So that that's a question, I guess. Um, and how that might impact? Because I know in, in in San Francisco, Chinese community has the highest rates of uh, kids with cavities, and so it's a it's a real problem. Um, the other the other thing I wanted to to ask was about, um, or just to say is that your soda tax comment, the soda tax revenues will be used to promote water for sure. So that's why um, it's all related and important to push.
2: Yes. So um, actually, thanks to Laura's great work and Dean and others. Um, We're actually working with Nikos, Chinese Health Coalition. I don't know if you're working with them, but... Um, So they have been wonderful in trying to help us identify some promotion. We've actually used some data we're collecting from San Francisco, actually, bringing it back to them so that it can inform their work as well. Um, I do think one thing about boiling tap water is that if there is a lead issue, it can further concentrate it. So we actually don't recommend... Um, boiling the tap water if you have any concerns about lead for that reason um, hot water also if you run hot water from a faucet can leach lead more than cold water so um, but I'm not aware of it removing fluoride I think the only thing that will remove fluoride is um, actual filtration devices and most bottled water on the market doesn't have fluoride unless it specifically signifies it on the packaging and I see Christina back there she can also comment if she wants but <laughs> So I work in a clinic in the Bayview area and I've specifically had um, patients tell me that they're concerned about the water in their neighborhood. Um, Do you have any, do you know any more about the water specifically in that part of town? Um, I, I don't know specifically about that area as compared to others unfortunately but we do have data that that suggests that older buildings are more impacted with lead. Um, I can't imagine there being any other contaminant of concern here in San Francisco having worked closely with the Public Utilities Commission but there could be lead because it's older infrastructure and older buildings Um, so that would be the biggest concern but as far as I know there hasn't been any citywide testing for lead right or data on that as far as you know in that area
0: Do you of I don't know if you're Yeah, we we
1: we conducted focus groups. This was what actually precipitated the board of supervisors' decision to put water stations in was we conducted fo- focus groups uh, in different low-income communities in San Francisco and and it came out out, out loud and clear that people are afraid of the water. And it doesn't matter if if, if people are afraid, they're not going to drink it. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much, Anisha.
0: You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.